Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Afternoon, everybody. Welcome, afternoon drive. Goodman Mason, watch us milehighsports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, not retail, but wholesale, go to rmfp.com. In the meantime, Sasquatch and Wildcard Casino have a new promotion, and you are going to want to listen up. They are giving away a Tesla. Yeah, you heard me. A Tesla. And if you don't want it, they're going to give you over $33,000 in cash instead. Grand prize drawings are the 4th of July weekend on the 2nd, 3rd, and the 4th. You can get finalist entries every half hour from 10 a.m. until midnight during their daily cash drawings or by redeeming players' points. Sasquatch and Wildcard, man, they always have amazing giveaways like, I don't know, giving away a Tesla. They have daily cash drawings, really loose slots. I can say that they can't, and you're going to love their sports book as well. Sasquatch and Wildcard, a family-owned casino that treats you like family. Mace, how are you, my friend? Doing very well. Just uh, sitting here uh, outside of the breakers here in Palm Beach and the uh, the NFL annual meeting. It is broken. It is done. Roger Goodell addressed the media. By the way, big news for you and I from out of the uh, commissioner's press conference. And this was actually from the uh, the NFL's head PR guy, Brian McCarthy. Locker room access is returning for media for the 2022 season. Well, I'll tell you that must have. Well, that that wasn't announced during the press conference because I watched Goodell's press conference today. It was at the it was at the very end. He was asked he was asked about it at the very end, mm, and then Brian right. McCarthy, the NFL's VP of PR, spoke off mic and said the locker rooms would right. be open. And there was a smattering of applause, and even a smattering of applause is something I've never heard at any. Right. of these commissioners press conferences before. Well, you know what that means? That means we are going to have a lot of interviews coming up this season. Uh, I would say probably two or three a week where you and I will do one-on-ones in the locker room. That is something less than I used to do all the time. It feels like at least two years since I've done that, but I'm bum. But <laughs> when you and I started working together right before the start of COVID, uh, you and I were both looking forward to going to the locker room and doing interviews like this. And yep. now finally we will get the opportunity to do it. I think this is a big win for the media, but in a lot of ways it's a big win for the fans as well as they will get a chance to hear uh, interviews that are a little bit more free form instead of your standard, in my opinion, generally speaking, stale podium interviews. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. With that time now for the lead. The lead is presented by Smoke and Dave's Barbecue and Brew, Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Get some tonight in Denver, Longmont, Lyons, and Estes Park. I have made this comment before, but here we go again. The Colorado Avalanche seemed to be very similar to the Chargers, whether they were in San Diego or now Los Angeles. Injuries always seem to hit both franchises, and here we go again. 
Nathan McKinnon flew back to Denver today for further evaluation of his right hand as he possibly broke it when he fought Minnesota defenseman Matt Dumba on Sunday. It is my understanding that his hand is broken. Don't know where his hand is broken. Uh, I talked to a, a doctor today. And he said to me, there's so many different spots on your hand where you can break it. So certainly we don't know the severity of it. But when Jared Bednar was asked about his level of concern, he said, quote, hi. With that, the Avs play Calgary tonight. They're going to fly home after the game. They'll get in about 2.30, go through customs. It's a late night for everybody. But McKinnon was sent back today before the game. I don't want to read the tea leaves too much, and I understand this conjecture, Mace. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't that serious, I think he's still in Calgary right now. That's a really good point. And obviously, uh, maybe you want uh, your own medical staff to to, to have the evaluation on him, but... You, this is this is true. I think whether you're talking, no matter what sport you're talking about, if it's something serious, that's when you see somebody go home separate from the team if they're staying back. Whether it's you know if a football team had a joint training camp and uh, a joint week of training camp and there was an injury early on, that player would go home. You'd see it in the NBA, similar situation. I mean, to for me as well. That's what put the alarm bells up that he was flying back this morning. I wonder, and, 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 and Jared Bednar saying the concern level right. is high. He, yeah. did, he didn't try to downplay it when asked about it today. With that, I want to read you uh, part of a text that I got from a former Avalanche player about this injury. He is not aware of how serious this is, so I don't want to set it up that he does know this. But he played in the NHL for a very long time at a very high level. He said, obviously, this is not ideal. But barring something catastrophic, I would guess he could play with a broken hand after a certain point of healing because it's his bottom hand that helps the top hand. Meaning, if I'm reading what he said correctly, if something is is broken in his top hand, like the carpals, the metacarpals where your joints are, okay, if your bottom hand is not broken, okay, that gives your power to the top of the hand. If his but the bottom part of his hand is broken, you have no power in the top of your hand. And remember, he's a right-handed shot. Right. So basically, what he's saying is like it, it's it's. Well, I mean, it's obvious. where it like, is. Where it is. Yeah. Where where it is. So this would if if it's a left-handed injury, it probably would have him back. Yeah, because he's just really holding the stick. I mean, right. he he needs he needs some power in his left hand, but all your power on a slap shot comes from your right hand if you are a right-handed shot. And if it's at the bottom of his hand, it's certainly far more serious yeah. because that's where the power comes from. It comes from the heel of your hand, not your fingers. Mm-hmm. Necessarily. But the thing is we don't know that's where the specifics come into play. We we don't know we we don't know it. It's a guessing game and I mean, just a general, like, and again, we don't know the specifics. A general guideline for a lot of hand injuries is three to six weeks. But again, getting back to strength to play hockey, especially if it's a if it's an injury that's going to affect his shot and the power in the shot more, you might be talking about it taking a little bit longer, and that would bleed into the playoffs. They still have sixteen games left, so if he's out for a month that would have him back in time for the playoffs. But well, if it goes beyond that, then yeah. you're in danger zone territory. Well, the one thing he doesn't have to worry about is conditioning because he can skate all he wants to. 
Conditioning is not going to be a problem. Yeah, Skating strength, on the ice. in the shot is, but not, not conditioning, yeah. Correct. So let's look at the injury situation where it stands right now. And by the way, uh, I had multiple conversations about this today. One person I talked to is with the Avalanche right now in Calgary. And this guy said to me, I think the Avs are going to get smoked tonight. And I said, why? He said, well, they're missing two-thirds of their lineup. Gerard's not out there. Byram's not out there. Okay. Uh, Landeskog, most importantly, is not out there. They're missing two-thirds of their top line. And then, of course, the aftershocks of, oh, my God, how long is McKinnon going to be out? Let's say he is out a couple of months. Remember, the se- the regular season ends for the Avalanche on April 29th, right? And right. I-, I don't know how serious the injury is, neither do you, how much time he's going to miss. Um, you can make the case, can't use it as an excuse, because... What did the uh, Lightning do without Steven Stamkos? Won the Stanley Cup. Yes, they did. Yes. I mean, multiple injuries, yeah, that's a concern. And and as we discussed, the thing that the Lightning had and have that the Avs aren't sure that they have just yet is the goalie. I mean, Andre Vasilevsky is on a wah-brodeur trajectory. Right. And that it cannot be said for Darcy Kemper at all. Yeah, <laughs> I'd say so. Now, you put something in the show notes, but I'm going to let you answer it first. You said, mm-hmm. could, could this possibly be a good thing, okay, with all these injuries, that they get back to full strength and they come back fresh? Mm-hmm. What do you think? It, it could if you're talking about the fact that, they, that you may have a bunch of guys out, but they come into the playoffs a little bit fresher. The counter to that, I'm going to counter my own take on this, is what if it takes a little while to kind of get everybody back in the flow chemistry-wise, cohesion-wise? Yeah, Yeah, I don't know if that's a big problem. These guys have played together for a long time. It's kind of like riding a bike. I don't think for some reason after, even if if you want to call it, I don't know, eight weeks, I don't think McKinnon is suddenly going to forget how to play with Ranton and Landeskog. But not having um, McKinnon out there, and not having Landeskog out there potentially for the playoffs, and there is no due date right now for Landeskog to even get back on the ice. And this has been a fantastic season for the Avs, but I'll put a bow on it to end this segment the way I started it. This is unfortunately what the Avalanche have gone through in the playoffs over the last three, four years, just like what has happened to the Chargers. They just can't seem to catch a break. That's a shame because this is a, this is a team that at even close to full strength, it's the best, it's the best in hockey. But if they're without McKinnon and Landeskog, that it be, they could function and do well without one or the other, without both. Right. They're not, they're not winning a cup without both. I mean, like I mean, you mentioned the lightning. I mean, they were without Stamkos, but they still had Victor Hedman and they still had Nikita Kucherov. Right. And they right. still have Vasilevsky in goal. There, there's a certain, but if they were without Stamkos and Hedman, they wouldn't have won the cup in 2020. You can withstand the loss of one star. Right. Two is probably too much, even for a great team. Well, here, here's the simplest way to put it. We got to hit a break. Who would you rather have a fully healthy, flying around the ice, heart trophy type of guy like McKinnon in the playoffs or what you usually get from Vasilevsky in the playoffs? 
with all respect to McKinnon, you'd no, rather have the you'd you, rather have Vasilevsky. You don't have to say with all respect. Any reasonable hockey fan would say the same thing. Well, but and I don't want denigrate. I don't want denigrate McKinnon's contributions. Him. You know, you should rather have the guy in net. You're, that's, you're, just, uh, that's playoff hockey. You're not denigrating him at all. The only exception you might make is I'd rather have Gretzky over Brodeur. That might be the only exception you could possibly make. But if I'm being completely honest, and you have some talent on offense, and you have a pretty good blue line, I'm still taking Brodeur over Gretzky. In well, the playoffs, like, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, let me a notch below Gretzky. How about Lemieux or Brodeur? Who we should take? There's only one Wayne Gretzky. All right, there you go. He, he's so basically in, he's Gretzky, in his own category. He's he's the entity onto himself. That's yes, the, he's on the island. Yes, in 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 baseball, there's Babe Ruth and everybody else. In hockey, yeah. there's Wayne Gretzky and everybody else. And in football, you can really argue however you want to. Although most people would pick Brady. And in basketball, a lot of people pick Jordan. A lot of people would pick others. There's only two guys in sports history, in their individual of the four major sports, that are heads and tails above everybody else. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Or yep. here, I'm going to flip this around. Would you rather have Babe Ruth? In his prime as a hitter, or would you rather have Madison Bumgardner pitching for you in the playoffs in a seven-game series? No, he's knowing he's going three of the seven games. Well, I mean, if it's Babe Ruth, I'll take Babe Ruth. I'll take Madison Bumgardner. Wow. He's, okay. He's got the ball in his hands. He's he got does. the ball for three starts, and he's arguably one of the best playoff pitchers of all time. I'll take him. I, the reason why I would take Babe Ruth is he's out. He's out there all seven games, and I think one of those three starts, he would get to Mad Bum because it's Babe Ruth. He's on the. He's on another level entirely. He might. Yeah. He might, but there's only a 33 percent chance he's going to do that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Or in his case, uh, th- th- uh 34 percent because his uh, lifetime batting average is 3.42. I digress. Yep. Coming up after the break, Billy Turner met the media today. Boy, he loves himself, Nathaniel Hackett. He really does. But the question is, did he come here because of Hackett or Russell Wilson? We'll talk about that next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. With this mood of mine, caught in need of a Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. Time now for The Buzz. The Buzz is presented by Eric Cook at Farmers Insurance. The Cook Insurance Group. Focused on people, not policies. Call today at 303-790-8089. That's 303-790-8089. All right, Billy Turner, the Broncos' projected right tackle, met the media today. He spoke at length about his relationship he has with Nathaniel Hackett and how it led to him joining the Broncos. This is what he had to say. I just think me and Hackett are cut from a similar cloth. We were able to have conversations that weren't specifically about football. We can talk about everyday life situations. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world. We can talk about whatever, but it's funny talking to him a week or two ago 
uh, we can also just sit there and sit in silence and enjoy that also. Kind of sounds like a married couple. <laughs> just sitting in silence. A good married couple, though. Like, right. there, there's what that sounds like is comfortable silence. Right. Not uncomfortable silence, but the, the comfortable silence. That's, that's, that's when you can just be. So, Billy Turner did say one reason he came here was because of Russell Wilson. Make no mistake about it. Another reason why he came here is because of Nathaniel Hackett. Do you think if Wilson's not on this team, Turner still comes here? I actually think he does. I, think I do it, too. I, I, I think do too. now Russell Wilson didn't hurt here, but I th- I think even without Wilson, you are still talking about Billy Turner being the right tackle for the Broncos. Right. I'll, I'll use a food analogy, okay? Pick your favorite ice cream, just for fun. Mint chocolate chip. Ooh, mine too. Well, actually, mine's, really? mine, mine's double chocolate chip, but mint chocolate chip is one is one B, for sure. Okay, good uh, choice. Hot fudge? You want hot fudge? You want caramel? Or you want oh, strawberry? Oh, on mint chocolate chip, you it's car- caramel doesn't work, and uh, strawberry doesn't work. You're going for hot fudge with that. Well, I appreciate you telling everybody who likes mint chocolate chip what does and what does not work. Mario Batali. Strawberry and mint does not work. I've tried it. Okay. Good to know. You like you like whipped cream? Uh not really. Okay. A lot of people do. You like a, you like a che- you like nuts on it? No. Okay. Uh how about a cherry on top? Will that work for you? Uh sure. Yeah, we'll do a maraschino cherry. I think Nathaniel Hackett is the chocolate chip mint and the hot fudge, and I think Russell Wilson is the whipped cream and the cherry on top. Okay, that's fa- and that and that's fair. And it's if because I don't think this was a situation where he it was tied on all counts, and then Russell Wilson was the difference. I think uh, for it, it's it's a relationship that he had with Hackett, and it's. It's one thing I think that's going to be worth watching over the years to come if Nathaniel Hackett succeeds as Broncos coach is his demeanor, which seems to affect a lot of players in a very positive way, given how people tend to speak highly of him. Is that going to be something that maybe separates the Broncos from other teams that have elite quarterbacks? Is it okay? You know, you've got. Patrick Mahomes here, Justin Herbert here, Russell Wilson here, Joe Burrow here. But could Hackett be the kind of personality that maybe set that maybe allows the Broncos to be a nose above some of those other teams that have those kind of quarterbacks? Well, that's a good point. You have covered the NFL for a long time, as have I. You also have been a fan well before you got into the media. Mm-hmm. Can you think of any personality type that is similar to Nathaniel Hackett? And this is what I mean. A guy who is... Uh, let's just start with jovial. Okay. He's a happy guy all the time. Fun to be around. It seems like can relate to younger players has a, seems to have a really bright offensive mind. Can you think of guys like him in NFL history that were coaches? Hmm. You know, not quite like, Pete Carroll has a lot of the same. I was thinking of him too. Personality, but he's defense, not offense. Right. Well, I don't know if that really matters. I really okay. don't. I mean, if you but like the coach, you like the, the coach. Yeah. That's the interesting thing I think to me about um, Russell Wilson going from Seattle to Denver, because in terms of their positivity and their relentless optimism, 
I mean, if you listen to Pete Carroll uh, at the press conference talking about when they traded Russell Wilson, bringing in Drew Locke, that was a a more positive, optimistic assessment of Drew Locke by far than anything we heard from anybody around the Broncos over three years. And he hadn't even had the chance to work with Drew Locke. What Carroll and Hackett share is they look for the good in you, in, in anybody. They're looking for the good. It's not, why isn't this person going to be wrong for what we do? It's why is this person going to be right for what we do? Words that's, th- that's how they're wired. Words mean nothing. Actions mean everything. Okay? I'll give you a good example. When I was doing the show with Les, he and I did a one-on-one. Remember when we were loud back in the locker room, right? We did a lot of one-on-ones back then. We talked to We talked to Mike McCoy. You know what he said? I'm going to design an offense around the talent that we have. Every mm-hmm. single coach says that. I believe that's what Nathaniel Hackett will do. With that, while in terms of straight-up personality, you can make the case that Carroll and Hackett are similar. I'll tell you one area where they're different. If Hackett is true to his word, Pete Carroll had zero interest in changing his offense for Russell Wilson. Right. And that's a he, big difference. It wasn't just an offense. It was a philosophy. Right. It was a, a philosophy of football games are won on the ground and with defense. That's right. So with that, maybe that is the difference. And to your point. And, and okay, listen, I don't want to offend anybody when I say this, and that's never a good way to start a sentence because Nathaniel Hackett hasn't even coached his first game. And the guy I'm about to reference has a sterling reputation as not only the greatest owner in Denver sports history, but quite possibly one of the greatest owners in sports history. Guys came to Denver because they wanted to play on Pat Boland's team. They knew the type of environment that was here. They knew the excellence and how high that bar was. And they knew that Pat Bolin would do whatever it took if he had the means financially to make it happen. So I am not comparing the late Pat Bolin to Nathaniel Hackett. So I hope nobody takes it that way. But what I am saying is Pat Bolin built a reputation of being fair, nice guy, wanted to win. Mm-hmm. I don't know about Jovial, not like Nathaniel Hackett, but if Nathaniel Hackett can become the coaching version of what Pat Bolin was, I think they're going to recruit a lot of guys because of him alone. He can sell. But he better win. I, it's all about winning. Well, yeah, Pat Bolin's yeah, team's and, won. Right. I mean, if, if you're, huh, you know what? You can you can be the best talker, the best personality, and if you're going eight and nine, especially with this quarterback, they're looking for your replacement. Right. And uh, the other thing is, how does the positivity get received when you hit a bump? And how ha- and, sure. and how and how does that? We don't know how yet. Does that go- we, we don't know. I mean, there's. All the indications are very good on Nathaniel Hackett's football acumen and his leadership qualities. And certainly he's the opposite of Vic Fangio personality-wise, which I think this organization desperately needed. They need they needed a jolt. They needed a, the, the, it was a battery that needed a jump start. 
Nathaniel Hackett is the is the engine and the jumper cables. I, I say to young people when they approach me about what they want to do for the rest of their lives, and I'm specifically talking about the media because I've been fortunate enough to mentor a lot of younger people, and we talk about the business. I always say, follow your passion, whatever you're passionate about. That is probably the right career for you. However, you can't be happy being poor. So, so you got to be able to differentiate the two. And in this business, when you're starting off, you don't make a lot of money. Likewise, you may love your head coach as a person. You may enjoy playing for him, but you're not going to enjoy playing for him if you're losing. Right. And all the, and if you're losing, all the positivity is going to lead to eye rolls. Right. Coming up after the break, you are at the owner's meetings down at the Breakers in Florida in Palm Beach, and there is a new rule change, something that is long overdue. But the question is, did the owners only get it half right? That's next. Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman, Mason. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. On the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at Mace Denver, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, not retail, but wholesale for your next project, whether it's a deck or a fence or something like that, save a ton of money by going to rmfp.com. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending is presented by Optimum Golf. Take your game to the next level this offseason at Denver's best indoor virtual facility. In the Park Hill and Rhino neighborhoods. Book your tee time today at theoptimumgolf.com. Mace, I don't want to say it's a step in the right direction, but it's at least a half step in the right direction. NFL owners have approved a rule change, something that has been talked about for a long time, but specifically during this past season's playoffs, that if a game goes to overtime, both teams are going to get a possession. So gone, team wins the coin flip, Goes down and scores a touchdown, game over. That's no longer going to happen in the playoffs. In the regular season, that is going to continue. Why is it only halfway? It's only halfway because it was this or nothing at all. There was actually enough resistance among some owners that if it had come up to be a vote for the regular season, it would not have received the 24 votes in order to be ratified. This is basically the compromise. Who's holding out on this? Well, we know for well, we do know that th- even with overtime or in, in the re- in the playoffs, doing this in the playoffs, we know that there were three teams that did hold out. Uh, the I believe it was the Vikings, the Dolphins, and the Cincinnati Bengals. Who, by the way, as I pointed out on Twitter today, the Bengals are often holdouts on everything. When it was 31 to 1 voting to add pass interference to the list of calls that could be challenged by replay, the one was Cincinnati. When it was 31 1 to lift 
local blackouts for games that did not sell out. The one was Cincinnati. It's remarkable. So you knew they were going to vote against it no matter what because that's that's just Mike Brown. Mike Brown likes being contrarian. He's an idiot. <laughs> he doesn't deserve Joe Burrow or a good team. He doesn't. He doesn't. Their their fans do. Yeah. Yeah. They don't deserve do. him as an owner. How's that? Well, you know what? They I deserve mean, something better. Uh, the, the apple fell a long way from the tree. Uh, sure did. Around the Mike Brown. I mean, and, and, and by the way, it's not a coincidence that right after Paul Brown died, because he, he was running the Bengals football operations up until he passed away in 1991, that after Paul Brown died, they didn't go to the playoffs for 14 years. That was not a coincidence. Right. Sometimes the owner is better than the son, and sometimes the son is better than the owner. In this case, right. the father is better than the son. When it comes mm-hmm. to Bill Wirtz and Rocky Wirtz, Bill Wirtz, the owner of the Blackhawks, his son yeah. Rocky Wirtz, the son, the son was better than the father. You can make the case with the Cowboys. Stephen Jones is better than Jerry, his dad. Yeah. Now, I, I will say this. I think when the torch gets passed to the next generation in the family, and it's, it is, I was having a conversation about this today, that it's going, it, everything is in place. There's not going to be a Pat Bowen trust-like situation in Cincinnati when Mike Brown, who's 86, is no longer uh, running the team. It's going to be a pretty smooth transition. And and Katie Blackburn, his daughter, who's doing a lot of the day-to-day stuff, she's actually become the first woman on the competition committee. Mm-hmm. So I think the Bengals are going to be much better hands. It's going to be like it when it was passed from one works to the next. I think, it'll, I think they'll do better. But yeah, it is fascinating to me how they are a team that votes against all this. But there were enough other teams, I don't know who, specifically, but there were enough other teams to ensure that they did not have the 75% threshold if they had only, if they had done regular season. The postseason was the compromise, and it's very similar, Eric, to how the last overtime change in terms in, in terms of having it possible for both, for both teams to possess the ball if a team got something less than a touchdown on the first drive. That change... Uh, was first in the playoffs because that's all they could get through. But a year later, it happened in the regular season. It was added to the regular season. I feel like this is something where they just have to do it in the playoffs and experience it. And then a year, two years, three years from now, I think we will be talking about this being in the regular season. But that's the NFL is a bait is baby steps, right? They they can't take the big leap. It's always got to be little bit by bit by bit by bit. You support this in the playoffs? You like this? I mean, it's better. It's better than nothing. No, I know, I but, mean, but you like this. Oh, I love. I, I I love it. Yeah. Quality of because what you do is you have a quality of opportunity for the first time up. Mm-hmm. Each team gets a possession. No, no, matter no, no I get that. I don't, I don't, yeah. We don't need to, need to right. dig into the minutia. This is why I'm right. asking for all the what? Broncos fans that love it, and I like it too. But I'm not a Broncos fan. I'm not a fan of any team. Haven't been a fan for any team for a long time, but I want our local teams to win because it makes my job easier. But you know what it right. does do, this new rule change? This rule was in place, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. Tebow to DT doesn't have really the same type of feel, does it? Mm, not quite. Not quite. What, what, what if Pittsburgh marches right down and scores? But We're not talking don't? about Tebow. We're talking about Tebow to DT. I get it. Yeah. But it's not the same. They would have run it again. They would have run the same same thing again. No one was catching DT anyway. They were going at they were going at the safety and they were taking advantage of uh, what Dick Dick LeBeau was doing. I know. 
I, I do, I, do I, I agree with Danny. I think they would have tried that again if they'd had to go out there for another possession. But here's the thing. With this current format, you know what I think you're going to see here is Team A wins the coin toss, drives down, scores touchdown, right? And they, get, and they go for one because if you go for two and don't get it, you're not going to give the other team a chance to win with just an extra point. So you're going to see the first team go for one. Team B drives down, scores. They're down by one point. I believe you will see Team B almost every time go for two. What? Now, what? Yeah, absolutely. No. Because no, if, if they're the home team, yeah, on the road, I can see it. And a lot of it depends on how the game is playing out. Ra- rather than give the ball back to the other team, because percentage-wise, oh, you're saying so? If the other team, the team that started with the team, ball, if they score, team, the game's over. No, no, wait, the team, team, because here's the thing. Team A goes, drives down, gets seven points. Right. Team B then gets a touchdown. Right. I think they will try to win it right then and there on a two-point conversion rather than give Team A the ball back on a kickoff. Well, wait a minute. If Team A scores, is the game over? If they score, well, it's one possession for each team. After that, it's sudden death. Right, so why would you... Roll the dice and lose a game right there. Because a two-point conversion, you have about a 54% chance of converting it. Whereas All right. we've seen I that... I think you're going to see it as much as you think. I think you'll see it. I, I think you'll... Percentage-wise, if you are Team B, mm-hmm. you have a better chance of winning the game right there than if you give the other team the ball back on a kickoff. And you, so that's that's why I think in these cases right. you will see the second team, by and large, go for two. Now the thing that could mess that up is this: you go for two and you get it, but you have a holding penalty or you, or, or whatever, or you have a false start. Then I think you'll see that because you push it back five or ten yards. Then I think you would see that team kick well, but yeah. from the two yard line, the two point conversion spot. If they're if. If they're the second, if they did, if they lost the coin toss and they drive down to score and pull within one point, I believe you'll see them go for two far more often than not. Over 50%. I'd say more like about 80 or 90%. Okay, good. Let's make a side bet on that because you want to go 90%. I am more than happy to take that bet. Are you well, how name, many years? Name, name your price. This is going to be a name, long bet. Name, no, this upcoming year. No. Oh, okay, wait, no. wait. Oh, you're right. You're right. It's, it's we've for, only right. We've only think about this. We have had twelve overtime games. Wait, you think in this is gonna happen? Th- so wait, do you think this will happen in the playoffs? It'll happen in the playoffs, but to get to where we're talking about eighty or ninety percent, you're gonna have to have. Uh, wait, wait. you're gonna have to have several years of data. Hold first. on. In the playoffs, each team gets a possession. Team A right. scores, kicks an extra point. Team B comes down. Scores a touchdown. You think there's a 90% chance in a playoff game they go for two? Yep. Okay, good. I'll take that bet. Now we have a bet in the upcoming playoffs this year. But you're not, but 90% is, you that gotta you, have. You, you gotta came have up a, with 90%. I didn't. Well, yeah, but you know how long it's going to take to where we have a 90% sample size? It's going to take it. It's going to take like a decade. No, it's not. Time. Yes, it will because. It will take that because you you literally. I'm average, in for the long game. You so have, we have a ten year bet going. Good. You average about one overtime game a year in the playoffs All on right. average. Okay. Yeah. Fine. We have this a ten. Last, we have a ten year bet year, out. I'll probably be dead by the time you have to pay me. Hmm. 
What do we have coming up on Mountain High Appliance, just in case you missed it? Another rules change from those meetings impacting diversity hires and also another Russell Wilson video that he tweeted himself uh, tossing to one of his new Broncos receivers one-on-one. We'll get into all that next right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason on Mile High Sports. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Andrew, I was thinking about something that we talked about in the previous segment, or earlier on in the show, I should say. Mm-hmm. In a seven-game series, who would you rather have, Madison Bumgarner, one of the best playoff pitchers of all time, or Babe Ruth, you took Babe Ruth, right? Yes. Yep. Um, what if you just walk Babe Ruth every time? How much effect does he have on the game? Uh, uh, so even if the bases are loaded, you're walking him, huh? Yeah, you are. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and how often uh, are the bases loaded every time he comes to the not, play? Not often, but you're you're walking. You're just walking. say you're right and let's move on. Uh, are you? But you are you? I can't believe you're still arguing. You walk no. him every time. You'd walk him every time. Every time. I don't want him hurting me because I can get Madison Bumgarner on the hill. Games one, four, and seven. You walk Babe Ruth every time. But you we still- talk about we talk about that in it ne- in a hypothetical, and it never happens. You are like, so stubborn. No, but Barry did. You Barry really Bonds are. Get walked every time. He no. got walked. He got walked with the bases loaded. Yeah, but did he get walked every time? Like you suggest, no. Listen, they if, no, did pitch to him. if nobody's on base, I'll, I'll pitch to Babe Ruth. And maybe he hits a home run. He didn't hit a home run every at bat. You have a, you know as well as anyone, Mr. Atlanta Braves of the 1990s with Glavin, Smoltz, and Maddox, how dominant a pitching staff can be. Unless, yeah, of, but- course you, unless of course, you get Jack Morris in Game 7 in the 91 World Series. But it's funny. You mentioned that dominant pitching staff. It was – it. it, it it did come up short in the postseason quite a bit. It did. But yeah, yeah, Madison Bumgarner, arguably the best postseason pitcher of all time against Babe Ruth, who you can walk. You can't walk around Madison Bumgarner. You and I, you, you know what? We're, I get your point. I get what you're saying, right. but we're not going to agree on this. Oh, agree. As, as, as the great Ron Burgundy said, agree to disagree. Oh, wow. Did the sun come up today? What does that have to do with I'm anything? just asking you. Are you going to argue with me on that, too? Did the sun come up today? That's not the same thing. See, we agree know. on something. Just say I'm right. The sun came up today. The sun came up today. Thank yes. you. Oh, my God. That, well it, done. It's, and it's setting because I'm literally looking at it right now, mm-hmm. starting to descend over the western horizon here mm-hmm. from Palm Beach. Yeah, but you're not staying at the breakers. No, I'm you're, not. You're I'm staying, staying at the courtyard. The Stand at the, stay at the courtyard. But I'm sitting outside the breakers right now. Time now for the final word. Who's Mark? What's that? Oh, we have Mark McIntosh. Oh, my goodness. I am such an idiot. Mark. Oh, I feel like a jerk. I am so sorry, everybody. Mark McIntosh is joining us right now.
Uh, Garner is a pretty good hitter, by the way, too. He was, uh, 242 batting average. And the reason why Mark McIntosh knows that is because he was a longtime sportscaster at Channel 4, and then he suffered with me in a studio for many years as one of my radio partners. How are you, my friend? I'm good. And, Andrew, it's good to know that uh, you're the one incurring all the abuse now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I've had to develop a thicker skin than I've ever had before, Mark. <laughs> hey, Mark, uh, tomorrow would be Irv Brown's 87th birthday. Yep. What are you doing to celebrate his birthday for the Irv Brown Champion Center? Well, we're kind of, you know, Irv was obviously known as a great broadcaster, but also Irv was one of the best basketball officials of his time. He officiated six Final Fours. So kind of as we're getting ready for the Final Four, we're celebrating Irv Brown. And that at Arvada High School, that's where Irv's incredible career began as a coach from 1959 to 1970. Three years ago, we started a sports business institute at Arvada High School. We're teaching kids there the business side of sports and the winning side of life. We're in our third year. We got 83 kids in the program. We're growing. We got a new principal we got a lot of momentum going on that, and we're taking a portion of Arvada High School that is underutilized, and we're transforming it into the Irv Brown Champion Center. And so we've got a, a, a special promotion going tomorrow. We're trying to raise money for this, and we're encouraging people out there to donate 87 bucks, $870, you could go crazy and donate $8,700 if you wanted to, but that will go toward helping us build the Irv Brown Champion Center at Arvada High School so we can continue to offer this learning pathway to, to uh, kids, teaching them the business side of sports and the winning side of life. And any donations are tax deductible. Giving a little is great. Giving a lot is even better. How Amen. how much money do you guys need? Well, the total project's about $800,000. And so uh, we need some money. And we've raised about 150 so far. Good We're just kind of getting kicked off. But uh, we just wanted to uh, take this. Tomorrow would be Irv's 87th birthday, passed about three years ago. But I know a lot of your listeners remember Irv. Irv, actually, and Joe used to be on right before you and I in the afternoon. That's right. Um, yeah. And so this is a wonderful way to honor Irv, give educational legs to Irv's legacy. But really what this is all about is providing a learning pathway for underserved kids. 75% of the families, the families at Arvada High School, make less than $35,000 a year. And so we are trying to go in there. We are going in there with a learning pathway that's got the kids excited about coming to school. And uh, so we just want to let your listeners get in on the fun, and they could definitely help us. And all they got to do is go to IrvBrownCC.org, IrvBrownCC, which stands for Champion Center, IrvBrownCC.org. And up there on the homepage, right-hand corner, it says Ways to Give. People can go there and they can give 87 bucks, 870, 8,700, or they can give whatever. You know, but we're just uh, hoping people will want to jump on board and help us out. 
One more quick thing, Mac. Uh, not to go through my radio history here at MileHighSports.com. There was you. <laughs> then there was Mike Pritchard. Then there uh-huh. was Les Shapiro. And yep. now, obviously, Andrew for the last two years. Let's talk about Les for a minute. Sure. And with a donation, how is that going to incorporate Les into the Irv Browns Champion Center? Well, one of the things, so we have different areas within the Irv Brown Champion Center. We have Champions Hall. We have the broadcast, uh, the broadcast classroom. And we are trying to raise $75,000 so we could name the uh, broadcast classroom after Les. So it would be the Les Shapiro broadcast classroom inside the Irv Brown Champion Center. So we're kind of, you know, hitting two birds with one stone, so to speak. Well, two titans of our business, no question about it. As for you, me, and Mace, I'll just (laughs) leave it at that. Mac, go ahead. Well, yeah, we're still trying. We are. For everybody, anybody interested, just go to IrvBrownCC.org and click on Ways to Give. Mac, always appreciate your time, and um, we will talk soon again. If there's anything I could do for you at the Champion Center, please do not hesitate to ask, and I promise next time I will remember that you were coming up next. Well, what I'd like you guys to do is once this is done, we're going to have an area that you guys could broadcast your show from the Irv Brown Champion Center. So, you know, just put it on your calendar that you guys will do your show sometime from Arvada High School inside the Earth Brown Championship. We would absolutely love to do that. Thanks, Mac. Cool. I'll see you guys. Bye. All right. We are going to do Mountain High Appliance just in case you missed it in the next hour. With that coming up next, uh, Andrew, you've been at the owners' meetings in Florida since Sunday, and you had a chance to ask Nathaniel Hackett how he sees Albert Okwebenam's role this upcoming season. And I can tell you his answer will surprise you. That's next.